For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Dennis Ackerman. Raider fans, I have very exciting news to share with you. Joining the podcast is a former Oakland Raider. He played his college football at the University of Houston. At the 2005 Combine, he ran a 4-2-7-40, which at the time was the fastest ever since the NFL started using electronic timing. He was drafted by the Silver and Black in the second round of the 2005 draft, spent seven seasons with the Raiders, intercepting 10 passes, including a career-high four in 2011. All right, Raider Nation, let's give it up for Stanford Route. How was that for an introduction? Man, Dennis, love it. Uh, <laughs> happy to be working with you. Uh, definitely got uh, some very enlightening and uh, spectacular episodes coming at everybody. Well, excited to have you aboard. And Stanford, let's begin. You retired in 2012. I think Raider Nation wants to know, what have you been up to? I think the better question is, what the hell haven't I been up to? <laughs> uh, I would probably go ahead and start with, uh, I've been coaching at St. Thomas High School out here in Texas. Uh, love doing that, going into my fifth year coming up this fall. Started going ahead and entering the real estate game. I got real estate properties that I own, uh, that I rent out, things like that. And then also doing some broadcasting. I started uh, doing some work for Fox Sports, for ESPN. And now I've taken on my, what is this going to be my fourth year? I'm sorry, my third year coming up, being an ESPN college football color commentator. Uh, so I definitely uh, love that as well. So I've been doing a little bit of everything uh, to go ahead and uh, put it in, in short terms. Do you know who broke your 40 time at the combine? I believe it was Chris Johnson, 2008, 4-2-4, something like that. Yeah. All right, Stanford, you know your combine history. <laughs> You're coaching uh, defensive backs in high school? Yeah, coaching defensive backs. Love it. So would you like to be a head coach at the high school level one day, or would you like to take it a step further and maybe get into some college coaching? I don't know if I'd really want to take on the responsibilities of being a head coach because, you know, they got a lot to deal with. Uh, but definitely, I would leave the door open to entering the college ranks as a DB coach, maybe a defense coordinator, something like that. But uh, like I said, I love what I do. I love helping kids. I love helping them go to college, go to the next level. So anything that comes in that form, uh, I definitely would not turn away. And I would definitely look at and uh, and go ahead and try to figure out exactly how I'd be able to go ahead and grow that role at the same time. Stanford, how good is high school football in the Houston area? Oh, it's huge. It's huge in the state of Texas. And for that, ma for that matter, the entire South. Uh, just like uh, I've told you before, there's a guy by the name of Jalen Waddle. I know you're going to be hearing it. I think I've heard, heard it. You're gonna be, you already heard his name. You're going to be hearing it uh, come late, uh, late April, probably within the first 15 picks of the draft. We played against him back when he was at high school at Episcopal, uh, just right across town. 
and he touched the ball five times the entire game, had three touchdowns, punt return, kick return, and one receiving. So uh, it definitely goes to show that no matter what, wherever you are in the state of Texas, especially in the Houston area, it is prime for a lot of top-choice athletes. How many players has your high school sent to the next level? Uh, we've sent several to the next level. Uh, we got we got Peyton Matoka, uh, quarterback at University of Miami. We got Jackson Reese at Southwestern University, right outside of Austin. We got uh, we got um, we got oh gosh, we, our quarterback that just finished this past fall. He's now going to U of H. Maddox Cop, um, another great player. We got Cameron Bonner, who's going to be going to Baylor to play receiver and corner. So, uh, so we definitely have had several guys since in my four years there that have moved on to the ranks. We got Dylan Dixon. Uh, he's going to be going to University of Houston. Uh, we got another kid of mine, uh, Drew. Uh, we got Drew Pavador. He's going to be going to Air Force. I coached him his first two years at St. Thomas. Then he went back to public school uh, as well. So uh, we definitely have a lot of kids that have gone on to the next level that we've taken some part in for that matter. That's impressive, Stanford. That's a lot of talent uh, coming out of that high school, for sure. How much uh, did you watch the NCAA tournament with your alma mater making a great run? Oh, man, I've been, uh, been watching them for a, a number of years, but especially ever since uh, Samson came back, I've definitely been taking a, a huge part in them, taking a huge interest. And I've been watching them throughout the entire tournament. I was so ecstatic when they beat Syracuse to actually get them to the Final Four. Definitely was not the sight that I wanted to see watching them against Baylor, but nonetheless, Baylor is a phenomenal team, and we clearly saw that uh, the other night with them finishing off Gonzaga the way they did. Yeah, that was a very, very impressive performance by the Bears, and I know college basketball fans are probably jonesing a little bit right now because the season is done, but you know what? There's still plenty of other sports going on right now. We've got the NBA, NHL, baseball's in full swing. So, look, if you're feeling good about one of your teams in a particular matchup in any kind of sport, then head to betonline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. I mean, the Masters is here, and BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Stanford, now that we've had some time to digest what moves the Raiders have made in free agency, let's break things down and let's begin with the defense because why do we begin with the defense, Stanford, as you told me before? Yes, uh, the defense has definitely taken uh, some major blows over the last couple of years. And especially a few games come to mind last season against the Los Angeles Chargers Thursday night, the Miami Dolphins Saturday night football right after Christmas. Uh, many games uh, that come to mind. But like I said, those two are just uh, some ones off the top of my head. But didn't and, uh, you tell me Stanford, Stanford, I mean, didn't you tell me defense wins championships? Absolutely. Defense does win championships. We saw what happened with Tampa Bay versus Kansas City in the Super Bowl. That's why I think that the Las Vegas, I'm sorry, I was about to call them Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders are going to make sure that they need to go and get that defense shored up. So hopefully Gus Bradley coming over, that can be the first step in the right direction of good things to come. And I'm, uh, I'm definitely hopeful that they can go ahead and turn this around because we saw they played pretty good defense against Kansas City Chiefs the first game. 
not so much in the second time around the Sunday night football game. It just goes to show that they can go ahead and hang with the top teams in the AFC, but they have to be more consistent if they're going to go ahead and do that. Okay, well, they signed Yannick Ngakwe. They added more depth up front, but we don't know the impact of Solomon Thomas or Quentin Jefferson, what those guys are going to have. They did re-sign linebacker Nicholas Morrow, which I really like, and they also re-signed Jonathan Hankins. Um, Stanford, this was one of the worst defenses in the league. I mean, how much do we think they've really improved with the moves they've made so far? I think it's going to be an improvement. won't be a great one thus far. We still have the draft, so we got to go ahead and see what they do there. But I think uh, uh, adding in Gokwe and adding him, you now have the bookends of him and a Max Crosby. You're not going to be able to double-team one of them. You're going to get some single type of uh, blocking situations. That right there in itself is going to put pressure on the quarterback, which will then conversely go ahead and help out the secondary, even though you didn't add a piece to the secondary. That means the ball's got to come out faster, not going to have all day to go ahead and throw the ball for opposing quarterbacks. And that right there, it's going to be a young defensive back because everybody in the back end for the Las Vegas Raiders pretty much is young, still on their rookie contract. Guys like that, that's their best friend, is a good pass rush. And I think adding Ngakwe, adding a Solomon Thomas, Hankins, guys like that, that's going to bolster that part of the, uh, that part of the defense ultimately making things easier on the guys in the back end. Yeah, Trayvon Mullen in his third year. Damon Arnett's going to be in his second year. Jonathan Abram is going to be in his third year, although he missed his rookie season, so more like his second season. Defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. Stanford, we hear about this cover three. Did yep. you ever play it, and can you kind of explain it in simple man's terms for the audience? <laughs> well, it's pretty – it's very simple, and it goes back to the days – of the Legion of Boom for the Seattle Seahawks. It's very simple. Uh, everybody simply has an area. So for the corner, you would be in a cover three, which is basically a deep third. You think about the football field right now in your mind, you go ahead and you break it up into thirds. So sideline to hash is one third. Hash to hash is another third. That's for the free safety. And then the other, the other third of hash to sideline is where the other corner will go ahead and he'll roam around. So if you have a single receiver, you can go ahead and do the Richard Sherman technique, which he made famous, or like a Josh Norman, and you'll just bail out. So you'll get up to the line of scrimmage, you'll be pressed up on the receiver, looking like you're about to press, and then right before the ball is snapped, you will go and now turn your butt to the sideline, and you'll, a.k.a., bail out of there, making sure that you can see through the receiver to the quarterback. And in the meantime, you have the linebackers, they're dropping off into the curl lanes, dropping off about 10 to 12 yards deep, depending on the coaching philosophy, things like that. So what it, it inherently does is it takes away the underneath and you're forcing the quarterback to go ahead and put the ball up in the air, take the second and third level throws. But because it's a corner, you're bailing out and you have your eyes on the quarterback, you've got a better chance of being able to make a jump on the ball. And that's why you can see Richard Sherman for so many years made so many plays. Uh, whether he was in Seattle or San Francisco, and Josh Norman for a lot of his time when he was in Carolina. And then when you got a guy on the roof like an Earl Thomas, and now for Seattle, they have Quandre Diggs, another friend of mine. You've got uh, people like that. It makes things so much harder on the quarterback because now he's got to really thread that ball in tight windows. And oh, yeah, you got to do all of this before that pass rush gets there and puts that quarterback on his backside. So that puts more pressure on the pass rush than 
to accomplish what you want with this kind of defense and right? It does to an extent because what happens is it all works in unison because in this league, the thing you want to do is you A, want to confuse the quarterback. If you get the quarterback to actually go from his first read to his second read, your percentages, your chances of the defense being, being successful, they increase exponentially. If you get him to go off of his first read to his second read, and then when you start to get him to pat the ball, because you can see all the times that Peyton Manning struggled, he started patting the ball, he started getting happy feet. When that starts happening, now everybody has a chance to get closer to their receiver. The quarterback is getting confused. He's not as confident. He's getting happy feet. He's patting the ball. That gives the pass rush just that much more of a chance to get there. And even if they don't sack him, they're hurrying him. They can bat the ball at the line of scrimmage. They can go ahead and hit him after he throws the ball that pays dividends in the fourth quarter because now that quarterback starts getting a little bit gunshot where he just wants to throw the ball and duck and things like that. So it, it all works in unison. As you see with the Legion of Boom, yes, they had Richard Sherman. Yes, they had Earl Thomas. Yes, they had Cam Chancellor. They also had Cliff Averill. You also had Chris Clements. <laughs> like you had Bobby Wagner, the man in the middle. So you had KJ Wright. You had Bruce Irvin. Like I could go all the way. Uh, That's a Brandon. lot of talent, Stanford. Yeah. That is a lot of I mean, talent on yeah, it. So like, so it all works in unison. And you can even go and look at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They didn't really run a lot of cover three. They ran a lot of cover two in the Super Bowl. But if you notice, anytime you have a good defense, you have to be good on all three levels. Even though, even though they may not be the name players, the marquee names, everybody's got to be firing off all cylinders if you want to have a successful defense in any coverage you run. That is a great explanation. Appreciate you breaking that down for the fans. All right, before we talk draft, Stanford, we've got to get in some more of our uh, of our uh, reads here for our sponsors. And, you know, with all these moves the Raiders are making, and I'm trying to understand them, but, you know, I'm not really sleeping well because of them. I'm staying awake, staring at my ceiling. I'm always looking for new ways to get my act together. You know, my head hits the pillow, and bam, my mind starts racing about what moves these Raiders are making. So what do I need to do? Well, I found Sunday Scaries and realized they make products specifically for overthinkers and night owls like me. Sunday Scaries. CBD gummies help me decompress, clear my head, and fall asleep so I can actually wake up a fully functioning human being. And there's no risk to buy. The company offers a 100% lifetime money-back guarantee if the product's not for you. That's okay. You'll get your money back. Sunday Scaries in the stress-relieving business, not the stress-causing business. And I got you 25% off to prove it. Visit sundayscaries.com and use my promo code BLEAVE for your discount. That's promo code BLEAVE for 25% off sundayscaries.com. They're amazing, and you won't regret joining their squad stanford uh, did you ever suffer a loss that you couldn't sleep from wow uh, i'd probably say whenever we wind up blowing the division back in 2011 to tim tebow yep. that was uh that was pretty hard to bounce back from pretty hard to sleep from that was a sunday game you guys lost at home to the chargers and the chargers won yeah. that game you would have won the division because Denver lost that final weekend at home. And I believe the Chargers won 39 to 26 and 
uh, yeah, that was a tough one for the organization for fans as well. Yeah, that that was a tough one. Um, maybe uh, there, that's a few times in there where, yeah, you take one on the chin or you don't play well. Yeah, it's pretty rough going to bed that night because even though the game is over with, it still kind of lingers in your mind. But uh, as you get older, as you learn more, as you become more of a veteran, you learn that no matter what, whether you win, lose, tie, whatever, whether you play well, whether you don't play well, you have to find a way to put it to bed by the following Tuesday night. Because when Wednesday comes, it's a new work week. And no matter what, you cannot let a good game or a bad game go ahead and linger on. Because if you play good, then you get complacent, take one on the chin the next week. You play bad, you let that go ahead and seep in your mind, start to lose confidence. The next team's going to be coming back right at you the following week. So you got to find a way to bounce back. So no matter what, whether you play good or bad, you have to put you have to put it to bed by that Tuesday night, no matter what. All right, let's talk about the draft now. The Raiders have the 17th pick in the upcoming draft. They have eight overall picks. Stanford, their needs clearly are at safety and right now right tackle since they traded uh, Trent Brown to the New England Patriots. So I want you to put on your GM hat, play Mike Mayock for me. I'll do it with you. Where are you looking to go with this first pick? Well, wow. I would probably go slightly in a little bit of a different direction because oh, okay. of what you just because of what you just said about the Legion of Boom, the cover three, the Gus Bradley coming over to now go ahead and bring his his uh his attitude to bring his riches, if his mindset to the silver and black. I would go with a Wutsu linebacker from Notre Dame because. You look at every great defense, the 49ers, 2011-2014, Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman. Sure. You look at the Legion of Boom, Bobby Wagner. You look at the 49ers right now. They had still a pretty good defense last year. Tampa Warner. Bay's got great linebackers. I was just about to go there. When you think of Tampa Bay's defense, and you think, obviously, JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, you got uh, you got my man Shaq Barrett over there. White in the middle. <laughs> exactly. And when you really think of that game, the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs, there was one player, obviously Levante David as well, very, very fine linebacker. But that number 45, that kid kept flashing through the screen over and over and over and over and over again. So I would go with Owusu just because you need to find some stabilization. You need to find a quarterback who can lead the defense. You need to find somebody who's got the tenacity and the athleticism to, to run that cover three scheme, to run it to perfection. You've got to have a linebacker who's smart. You've got to also have one who's athletic. I would go with the Wusu uh, at that pick at number 17. Interesting. So then where would you address the right tackle position? And then where would you address the safety? Second round and beyond, obviously? I would go throughout the entirety. The entirety of the draft would be to improve the – Secondary, and when I say secondary, linebackers are involved in that as well. It's not just the four guys in the back end. It all works in unison. And then also the tackle position. That would be my that would be my number one priority throughout the entirety of the draft. So I'm talking about, okay, maybe draft two safeties, draft two tackles. I'm not just going to go ahead and just take one unless it's like the guy from Oregon where I know he's going to be a stud, but that kid won't be on the board by pick number 17. So I, uh, I would definitely make sure to cover all my bases. I'm set at the quarterback position. 
at, uh, at running back, I'm just fine. Tight end, I'm definitely fine at that position. So those are the holes on the team. Those are the holes. And maybe even uh, taking a, a flyer on a receiver. I got to always have some fresh blood coming in there because <clears throat> Waller is great as he is. He's a tight end. I got to have a stud guy that I can go ahead and throw to a receiver. We see Henry Ruggs came in last year, but you lost Nelson Aguilar in free agency. You cut Tyrell Williams. So you still have to make sure to go ahead and address those spots, but tackle and or secondary, AKA the back seven, those are the uh, those are the main points of emphasis that I got to hit in this draft. We didn't touch on it earlier, but I want to hit on it now. The Raiders have basically blown up the offensive line, and that's why they need a right tackle. They traded Trent Brown to New England, Gabe Jackson off to Seattle, Rodney Hudson traded to Arizona. That one is the biggest head scratcher to me, Stanford, because I thought he played at a Pro Bowl level last four or five years with the Raiders. They're going to rely on Richie Incognito, the 38-year-old. Richie Incognito at left guard coming off an Achilles injury. Andre James, who's only started one game in his career, he's going to be the starting center. They already gave him an extension. Denzel Good looks like he's going to be the right tackle, and then I beg your pardon, the right guard, and then they'll have the need at right tackle. So what do you make of their moves along the offensive line this offseason? It is definitely something that's perplexing just because, like what you just said, Rodney Hudson has been playing at a Pro Bowl level ever since he got to – Oakland and now Las Vegas. You got Trent Brown. Yes, he hasn't been available for the number of games that Mike Mayock would have preferred him to, but the guy's got two Pro Bowl selections in his two years there. And Max Crosby told me himself when he first got drafted by the then Oakland Raiders, he first was lined up against Trent Brown like in the first mini camp. And he's figuring, trying to figure out how am I going to move this mountain of a man? So it definitely makes you wonder. It's perplexing, and it just goes to show that there's something that John Gruden and Mike Mayock see. There's something that they see that, you know what, we can get the same level of production with guys who are not as expensive, with guys who are not as advanced in their resume, or should I say their journey in the NFL, a.k.a. not as old. There's something that, that makes them feel confident in that, and this very well may be a decision they make that could ultimately come back to haunt them and could ultimately be their demise within their job security as the head coach and the GM. Yeah, this was a position of strength, and now it seems like it's going to be a position of a lot of question marks heading into the 2021 season. Stanford, I want to talk about pro days because so many of them are going on. How much do they really help a player? It really depends on where that player is ranked within his position. It depends on maybe the school that he went to. I'll explain. Coming out of my draft class, we had Pac-Man Jones, had Antro Roll, Carlos Rogers. I remember that Antro Roll was picked to be a top guy. He could have came out as a junior, would have been a first rounder. You had Pac-Man Jones. He was rated the number one corner pretty much unanimously throughout all of the draft Knicks, through the draft experts, people like that. So Agman really didn't have to, he didn't perform at the combine. And you have Antro Roll, he didn't perform at the combine. Carlos Rogers did, myself, Fabian Washington. So all, what I'm saying is, if you're a guy who's already picked to go high, you're already rated the top guy at your position, maybe even the second guy at your position, it's not that big of a deal. If you're someone who played a lot on TV, you played on ABC, the ESPNs, NBC, uh, Fox, all of that, 
and your film is already out there for everybody to see and you were a stud, it really doesn't much matter. As long as you don't, as long as you don't fall on your face, your face, as long as you're able to tie your shoes correctly, you're gonna get a pass, even if you were to have a bad day, because they're just gonna say, Well, I mean, you know, he's just in t-shirt and shorts. Like, look at his film, and it was stellar. That's what they're gonna say if you're already a top-ranked guy. If you're somebody who is not ranked up there in the top three at your position, if it's a premium type of position like receiver, uh, DN, corner, quarterback, something like that, that makes it more incumbent upon you to perform well at your pro day. Because if you don't, they will hold that against you. See, this is why I couldn't rank him really high because I don't really think he has that great top-line speed. I don't think his change of direction is really all that good. I really kind of questioned that whenever I saw him playing against Valdosta State or playing against from some school that's not in a Power 5 conference. So it really just depends on that specific player, his specific situation, the school that he went to, whether it was a Power 5 or not a Power 5, and ultimately, like, where is the guy ranked? So if you're a guy that went to Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, USC, Oklahoma, you probably do not have to – it's not it's, – your draft status is not as contention upon your pro day as it would someone like myself that came out of University of Houston that had to make sure that he tested well to go ahead and dispel the myth of, well, I mean, he's just playing against – other guys from Conference USA, so we don't know how that'll translate over to a Power Five conference or the NFL. Take me back to 2005. It's draft day. What was that day like? What do you remember from it? Oh, wow. I still remember like it was yesterday. Um, it was late April. I'm, uh, I'm out in Houston at my apartment, and I knew that I was going to be going home to go see my family and be around them. So uh, back then, the draft was just Saturday and Sunday. It wasn't this Thursday, Friday, Saturday affair that it's uh, pretty much becoming prime time. So I drive home, and I drive home right around the start of the draft because I knew that I wouldn't be – my name wouldn't be getting called before 20 and probably somewhere between that 20 to 40 range is when I needed to pay attention. So I drove home, very peaceful drive, and I get home, and right around that time, I'm starting to see Fabian Washington come off the board, Aaron Rodgers, Jason Campbell. And I'm like, okay, so you know what? This is this is my this is my this is my zone right here. This is my little area. Uh, so the picks start coming in. They start coming off the board, and then I see Roddy White. He comes off the board out of UAB, mm-hmm. uh, Pro Bowl receiver for the Atlanta Falcons for many years. And then, okay, first round just ended. I'm like, okay, I'm not a first round. Are you watching like, okay. yourself? And what I'm in my room. My parents are in the living room. Okay. So I- I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get like a little bit of privacy because I know that something really good can happen today. And I feel like it's going to happen. But, man, who knows? The apocalypse could, you know, could come down. Bigfoot could come running out with a chainsaw. And who knows? It could be total disaster for me in my mind. So I then I'm like, okay, I'm getting anxious. I don't know what's going on. I drive to the mall. I have a mall in Austin, Texas. I go get some pizza, because always pizza, one of my favorite places ever since I was maybe six years old. And then all of a sudden, my phone starts ringing. It's an unknown caller. They're like, there's no caller ID. I answer, and I'm kind of like, I'm a little nervous. I'm like, hello? And then that's when I believe it was Norv Turner, and then he put Al Davis on the phone. And then they both asked me, how would you like to be an Oakland Raider? And I'm like, uh, F, yeah, I'd love to be an Oakland Raider. Like, like where are we at? Like, come on. Like, let's do this. Uh, so 
then obviously we got off the phone and he's like, you know, it's like, uh, Mr. Rao, we're going to be drafting you, you know, and we, you know, we're excited to have you. And I'm just like, I'm just foaming at the mouth and I'm just literally, I'm in shock because, wow, like I just got drafted and me and my dad had always been talking about this for many years. That was his dream for me since I was, since I picked up a football and it's really happening. So I get my pizza, I'm walking through the mall and I'm just kind of like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, like, do I look different right now? Like, do I all of a sudden I have like some green aura beam like around me or something? And like I said, you know, luckily I walk out, no problem, but I'm just, I'm thinking that I now, I feel different. So I'm wondering, do I look different to everybody in this mall? So luckily I got to the car, I get home and uh, my parents, like I said, they're very, very happy. My dad is ecstatic. Uh, my mom is in disbelief because she's like, oh my God, like, I just thought he was going to go to college and, you know, get a degree and, you know, become like a school teacher, or like, you know, like a lawyer, something like that. She's like, my son is a football player. Like, did you get Stanford? Say that again? What kind of pizza did you get? It was definitely the best slice of pepperoni I've ever had. I, I definitely tell you that much. But yeah, like I said, it was a, it was a joyous occasion, something that uh, my parents will probably never forget, just like I won't, and my sister as well. So yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a day I will always remember, but it happened while I was standing in line ordering a slice of pizza. You had to know the Raiders were going to take you after you ran that fast, <laughs> you know, the fastest 40 ever at the Combine at the time, right? I did not know that. Coming into the draft, the teams that I was hearing the most about were the Broncos and the Titans. I knew that if I was there in the second round, the Broncos were going to take me. I remember I was told that by uh, one of their coaches, actually. Uh, and the same thing for the Titans. It was Jim Schwartz at the time. He was a D coordinator. Yeah. Uh, he, he told me, he's like, yeah, he's like, wow, like, we're looking at you hard in our, in our second round selection. So I pretty much knew that those two teams were probably the most likely. The Raiders, I didn't hear anything from them the entire draft process. Uh, Clayton Lopez, a DB coach, and Calvin Branch, they worked me out of my pro day okay. uh, back then, but I didn't think anything of it. Now, once I finally got drafted, Calvin told me, he said, Rob, I could have told you at your pro day we was taking you. But, you know, I had to go ahead and uh, keep it professional and uh, it'd be tight-lipped. But, yeah, like now, as I'm older, I hear all about the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders and speed, things like that. But at the time, me being 21 years old, I did not know that you have certain teams that have a certain stigma. They have a certain connection. They have a certain belief of, okay, you know what? They typically like to draft that type of player or they typically like to draft that type of position or something like that. Uh, but no, at the time, I had no idea. I was just happy to be drafted. Stanford, a lot of these young men are going to be millionaires in about a month. The draft is uh, or a little less than a month, I should say, April the 29th. You know, as fans, we look at, did our team take the right player? Can he come in and contribute right away? Or why did we pick this player? Our team is terrible. We don't know what we're doing. But for a lot of these kids, they're going to deal with a lot of issues and they're going to face a lot of problems that as fans, we have no idea what is going on in their personal lives. Not even the slightest bit. And for these kids, and that's exactly what they are, they're kids. They're 20, 21, 22 years old. Yeah, they're young men because they're legally able to drink, but you're still a kid at that age. The frontal lobe has not fully developed. You're not thinking on the plane of 
that which an adult would who's 25 or over. And I think that with fans, they forget that, yes, your life changes in the blink of an eye. And, oh, yeah, you don't have an instruction manual with it. And I think that, number one, you instantaneously look different to everybody around you. You're now blank, blank, the football player. You're blank, blank, the NFL player, which means they instantly think that you're now a millionaire, even though that's not the case. It is for guys that are higher draft picks, but not for everybody. That's number one. You are thought of as the savior to a lot of people, whether it be your family, your girlfriend, your homeboys from, you know, around the neighborhood, somebody you went to college with and now has a harebrained business scheme that they want you to go ahead and invest in. It could even simply be as a kid, there may have been a female that you always had a strong affinity for. You had a crush on her. But you know what? She didn't really like you because you were a loser. Well, guess what? Now, all of a sudden, she doesn't mind going on a date with you. She doesn't mind accepting your phone call, things like that. So you go through a lot of little intricate issues. You go through a lot of bumps in the road. And I think that for a lot of, for a lot of kids, especially ones that come from single parent household, they may come from an impoverished background, things like that. You don't have the financial literacy literacy to go ahead and make sure that you can maintain the wealth that you've now just accrued instantly and go ahead and make the smart decisions. Because like I said before, you get a truckload of money just thrown at your feet and there is no instruction manual. You get a few little pointers from the NFL Rookie Symposium. Uh, they'll have a few breakout classes after practice on, I believe it's Thursdays, like we did my rookie year, but you don't really have a blueprint. You don't really have an instruction manual. The best thing to do is go ahead and attach yourself to a, an older player, someone who's a veteran, someone you can look up to, or maybe God forbid, if you know, you have like an uncle who happens to be a financial advisor, something like that. Me, I had really good parents to go ahead and, and, uh, and help me out, things like that. But not everybody has that same blessing. And Whenever you come from those impoverished backgrounds, everybody thinks that when you make it, the entire hood is supposed to make it. You can't carry everybody from the hood. Otherwise, they'll wear you down. They'll weigh you down. So you have to be the bad guy. You have to say no uh, from time to time to certain people. What do then? They'll say that you changed. They'll say that you now uh, flaked out. They'll say that you're a sellout, blah, 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 things like that. So it is so many pitfalls that you see that'll happen once you actually go ahead and have some luster to your name when it comes across their screen as the Green Bay Packers select so-and-so in the first or second round, you definitely are no longer someone who can fly under the radar. I mean, we've heard tales of this before. I know Philip Buchanan was drafted by the Raiders in the first round, 2003. Stanford, as soon as he was drafted, his mom said she wanted a million dollars from him because she raised him. I mean, then you had the case of Trent Richardson. He was a number three pick in the 2012 draft by the Cleveland Browns, the running back out of Alabama. He says his family lost nearly $2 million of his money in the first 10 months. Does an agent have any role in this? I know you hit on it a little bit about the NFL. What kind of programs do they have for these kids? The agent can hit on it a little bit, but I, I'm a firm believer you don't want your agent to be friends with your financial advisor because that's just way too close for comfort. Okay. Yeah, the agent can help. The agent can go ahead and, and try to offer some guidance to an extent. But also, this is the thing, Dennis. What is one thing that we all as men, not football players, men, what is one thing that we all have? 
we all have a version of an ego. Oh, sure. So we, we all have that male. Than others, but you're right. Absolutely. Exactly. So, so you're 22 years old. You just get drafted. They just hand you a buttload of money. There's a part of you that feels invincible. So now some older guy comes and tells you what you should do with the money you just got. A part of you is like, no, nah, I think I got this. Like, I was able to get the money. So, you know, I know what I'm doing. There's a part of you that feels like that. And so that's also the other issue that you got that you run into is being dumb enough to not being able to get out of your own way as a young player. I can use one uh, one instance to mind. What you just said about uh, Phil Buchanan and Trent Richardson uh, was I remember back in back in Oakland. I remember there was one day I came in from practice and one of the guys at the front desk told me, he's like, hey, uh, Rob, your sister called. And I'm like, why would you, I'm thinking, why would you be telling me my sister? And then I'm like, oh, she called the facility looking for me. I instantly knew who it was because my full blood sister, I have two half blood sisters from my father's first marriage. My, my full blood sister, she has my cell phone. She wouldn't call the front desk. She would call me directly. And then basically threatened me that if I don't get back to her, then she's going to go and start trying to badmouth me on Facebook, this, that, and the other. I'm getting Facebook messages from certain people I know on Facebook, from her telling them, yeah, you know, Stanford is this, he's that, things like that, all because I wouldn't get back to her because I knew that she wanted some version of money or something like that. So so you definitely run into those types of situations where, yeah, if you do not, if you do not learn how to be Mr. No or Dr. No, you do not learn how to be an asshole early on. People will suck you dry, not just family members, friends as well, acquaintances, all of that. They will suck you dry because they will put you in a position where you feel like you can't say no, even though you can. But they'll make you feel like you're being extremely disrespectful if you say no. So that would be my advice to a lot of young guys is learn how to say no and learn how to say it with no problem at all. Well, let's hope a lot of these young men are listening to you, Stanford, and they don't fall into this some of these pitfalls, beg your pardon, that uh, some of these other kids have. Hey, got to do one more read for us uh, so we make everybody happy. And it's uh, springtime, as we all know, and we want to make our outdoor experience even better. So let's do it with Canon sunglasses. They are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code CANONCAST15 at canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's CANONCAST15. Canon, clearly better. Well, Stanford, that is our first podcast in the books, our first of many. Oh, yeah, Dennis, I can't wait for this, man. Uh, love this. Uh, we're definitely going to be diving into a lot of topics and really getting underneath the underbelly. Definitely looking forward to it. And uh, fans, you definitely are in for a treat because we are going to really pull back the layers and show you the real from the real. All right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by betonline.ag. For my co-host, Stanford Rout, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening, and may all your punts find the coffin corner. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.